two seasons of Phillies therapy, two trips to the National League Championship Series. I'm not saying we're the reason, but I'm not not saying we're the reason. Welcome to Phillies Therapy. I'm Paul Boyer. The day after the Phillies, for the second straight year, knock off an Atlanta Braves team that won double digits more games than they did in the regular season. For the second straight season, a 100-win opponent that, in this particular season's case, celebrated a division title on their turf just a month earlier, less than a month earlier, now gets eliminated again and is left to wonder what could have been, among other things, apparently. They have a lot going through their minds over there, I think, on the heels of the Phillies division series win. They're still dancing. They're not literally dancing on their own because, you know, I busted out a little jig last night, but they play the song and that's how it goes. With me, as always, the Athletics' Matt Gelb, who has dried off after being part of another clubhouse celebration. Matt, I... I do not know where to start with this series because so many things happened. There are so many little bits of story and plot and huge moments on, on both sides for a four game series that I just, my head is spinning. I don't know. <laughs> you, you had a good gamer on it over at the athletic today. I just, I don't know how you can condense this series into one article or one piece. It's there. So much happened. That's not a question. Hi, how are you? <laughs> I I can't wait to go to bed tonight. Oh uh, man, it's a it's a late night. Um, just uh, you know, uh, not not because of celebrating. I, I, it's a late night just for you know. I'm not really celebrating, but I'm working. And um, sure, you know, it was it was a cool scene after the game. It was, um, you know, I I I think. I think they know that what they pulled off here was uh, pretty special. And and I know that that was the feeling last year after they beat the Braves in the DS, but I I think it was almost like it was different this time because I think they looked at this Braves team as as even better than last year's. Mm. And it's clear that the Phillies are better also than they were last year, but uh, I don't think this achievement was lost on a lot of people in there that what they did and how they did it uh, was 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 pretty remarkable, and it was an organizational success. I think from like every level, from like the scouting level, the development level, the coaching level, um, you know, planning level, like their advanced planning, their their analysts, their you know, all the people involved, and then the players, of course, who are talented, and and you know, the roster that's put together, and the execution of the plan, the way it was communicated, all of this, like all of this together, uh, made for. Uh, a, a four-game series win over uh, the team that was favored to win the World Series uh, yep. And, and, yep. and heavily favored, to be quite honest, and, and for good reason. So um, opening day 2024, Paul, uh, is March 28th uh, at Citizens Bank Park against the Braves. <laughs> you know, That's it's the next time they'll see him. Yeah, that is. And it's hopefully they're handing out, you know, rings or ring, uh, throwing up banners again. I, they do the rings a little later. I, I'm, oh, my God, I'm so ahead. Um, it, needless <laughs> to say, th- my head is still spinning from all of the things that went on during that series. If <sighs> Short of going the distance and going back to a game five where there would have been another opportunity for more insane crap to happen. That was probably about as dramatic a series 
and as close to a, a, a total 100% expectation payoff that you probably could have had as an outside observer coming into this series. Like this was the marquee division series. This was the one people were paying attention to. I know there was a, there was a division rivalry in the other NLDS. I know that there are, you know, interesting teams over on the AL side, you know, the twins being upstart and trying to pull off an upset against the Astros and the Rangers coming back from, you know, losing 90 plus just a couple of seasons ago and making a run. Like I, I get that, but this was the one everybody was paying attention to. And the one that had the highest bar to try and clear. And it did. I, I, I can never come at this from a non-biased standpoint, but it did. It cleared that bar. There were so many things that happened. You have, Game one, where what even happened during game one? It feels like forever I mean, they, ago at they, this point. They, 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 they came in with the aggressive plan just, and they, they really, you know, they telegraphed it. I mean, the Braves kind of, I think they knew what they, they knew like what, what the Phillies were going to try to do, but the Phillies executed the plan to perfection and yeah. they won, you know, they shut out the Braves for the first time in 770 days at Truist Park with yep. seven pitchers. Game two, you know, <laughs> Honestly, it took like a couple miracles for the Braves to win that game. Like, think about it. This is this is Jason. You know, I, I get to snacks to Jason Stark for the, the at least the games here in Philly. He's not traveling yet, um, which is awesome. Like, I I, um, I grew up in this area. I grew up a, a reader of the Philadelphia Inquirer, and I grew up you know reading Jason Stark and learning about baseball from Jason Stark. And now uh, I get yeah. to snacks to him, and he's you know my teammate, and we we get to talk about baseball and different ideas. And he made this point to me. I don't know, probably about the fifth or sixth inning last night. And he's like, would you believe that the Braves pitchers have faced six batters in this entire series while holding the lead? Mm. The entire series. That was it. The Braves faced six batters while having the lead. And that is amazing. Uh, This is a team that played with the lead the entire year almost. I mean, remember we talked about how good they are as a first inning hitting team. They scored zero runs in the first inning in this series. Uh, <laughs> you know, game two, you, you know, two bad pitches leads to two home runs, and that that's it. That's the game. And an incredible catch in center field, Yeah, you know, uh, ends the game. And then uh, game three, six home runs. And then game four, some bizarre pitching decisions that work out. And Nick Castellanos and Trey Turner, both of them, really being heroes. Castellanos, to me, uh, the bats he had the entire series. Uh, it, it's it's what I wrote about after Game Four. I, I just thought um, he was on a different planet. <laughs> like it's almost <laughs> like you're sitting there watching these bats and you're like, "What in the hell is going on here?" Because <laughs> it was like I, I I don't even know how to explain it. I, no. I, actually, Kevin Long, I thought like probably explained it the best for me. He had uh, you know he was almost speechless too because like the whole thing was just. Yeah, but he was like, to, this is what Kevin Long said, the Phillies hitting coach. He said, to watch him, it was an artist at work. It really was. Mm. And he's saying that because, like, <laughs> Castellanos saw 29 pitches out of the strike zone in this series. He swung at five of those pitches. Like, that is a low chase rate. And it was much lower than what we saw during the season. And what, yep. when you watch Nick Castellanos, what frustrates you the most is when he's just you know, you know that there's going to be a slider down away and you know that he's going to swing no matter what. And you know that he's not going to touch it. And man, those at bats are so good turning on that 100 mile an hour, Spencer Stryer fastball. Like afterwards, Stryer's like, I gave him my best fastball and Spencer Stryer's best fastball is probably the best fastball in the 
on the planet right now. It might in, be in the world, right? Yeah. And Castellanos crushed it. And yeah, I mean, what a series. Phillies out Homer, the Braves, 11 to 3. Castellanos himself had one more home run than the entire Braves team. The Braves tied a major league record this year for home runs hit in the regular season. Like, this is arguably the best offense ever. Ever. They scored eight runs in four games. It really, you, you, you look at everything in this series and you, you try and find a detail and everything you look for is almost unbelievable. I delivered that really strangely, but I think everybody knows what I'm trying to get at. There are so many things that either. It's not unbelievable that they, that they won the series. It's unbelievable. Just like how it happened. Yes. Yes, exactly. Like the Castellanos point, he struck out once in like his 20 (laughs) trips to the plate. Like, you you were talking about like this is a guy who yeah he's he had a better year this year but he is still prone to striking he walked more than he struck out in this series <laughs> you know of course he homered more than he struck out like that it's unbelievable how much he was locked in you know the point about hitting strider's best fastball out i looked this up going back to at least you know 2008 probably before then because not a lot of people were throwing 100 miles an hour before then but going back to the postseason 2008 there have been three two-strike home runs in the playoffs on a pitch 100 miles an hour harder. You just saw Nick Castellanos hit one of those. The others yeah, were Nelson. The, the others were Nelson ahead. Cruz in 2011 and Mike Brasso in 2020. Just based on I, a Statcaster such a, like it's just wild. Yeah, I think he's the first Philly uh, and a Statcaster, and as you said, probably ever because nobody was throwing 100 before. T- you know, very rarely yeah, yeah, throwing yeah. 100 before 2008 to hit a home run on a hundred mile an hour fastball period playoffs or regular season. You know, I, I think one of the biggest things about this series and something I was, I was really hoping would happen and it did because almost anything you, you looked for in the pre-series plan and like, okay, what do the Phillies need to do to win this series? They did basically every single thing that they needed to do. They pitched well, they hit well when they needed to. Um, they never let the Braves get any kind of sustained momentum. No, no. And Castellanos he, was the biggest reason for that, yes, right? Yes. You know, it's not just that he had multi-home run games back-to-back, which in and of itself would be incredible regardless of score, even if they somehow lost both games. Like, that would have been amazing. It's the fact that he was the immediate answer in the half inning after the Braves score, sometimes take the lead, to Homer Twice, and just completely, completely reset us. Yes. The only time the Braves had any kind of momentum was game two when they were able to chip away over the sixth, seventh and eighth innings and eventually retake the lead after being down four nothing. That was it. That was that was truly it. You even look back to the very end of game four, right? It, it was fortuitous that the Phillies got to face the end of the Braves lineup, which was already, you know, picked apart by substitute. Yeah, yeah, by substitutions like that worked in their favor. OK. They got the tying run on base with nobody out. Again, the most prolific offense in the league this year for many, many years. They did have to throw some of their depth guys up there, and they had to put their best bench chip in Eddie Rosario up against the left-handed pitcher, which held. There's so much that went into the end of game four. You could write a book on it. But everything that the Phillies did disrupted the Braves' stringing together any kind of rally, any kind of, you know, momentum is a big word. I've used momentum a lot in the regular season in thinking about it. You can say it only has so much of an effect, but as a fan watching the game, you feel it. I 
felt certain things brewing. And it works the other way too. Think about just before Castellanos hit his, his first home run in game four. JT Real Muto was the first person up right after Riley had homered off the very top of the fence down the left field line. The re- it hits the top of the, the, the guardrail. Like you could not have, you couldn't do that again if you tried. It was just, it was a wall screen, a wall bouncer of a home run. JT goes up and he swings at a pitch at his hairline to strike out. And you're like, well, okay, this is going the other way now. The Phillies might get a little tight. They might press. Things might start to look a little weird. Striders, you know, he, I guess he tapped into the strongest batch of adrenaline his body could produce, still throwing 100 miles an hour into. He was really, the later really good last he was, oh, like, And I know he gave up three home Ooh. runs. Like Schwarber said after the game, he's like, that was a different fastball than the one we saw in the first game. Yeah. It yeah. was better. <laughs> you know, like he, the slider wasn't amazing, but when you're still throwing that fat, it was on uh, corners every time. Like he was, just, he was really good. I went into it thinking, and just to finish off the point I was making, Castellanos interrupted the 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 downward momentum that Strider could have had by coming about and, and hitting that home run, and everything was reset after that. But I went into game four thinking, okay, Strider is not as effective on four days rest as opposed to five days rest. He's still very good, but there's a clear like difference in the performances he's put up on four days rest versus five days rest. This team just needs to get to the second time through the order as quickly as it can and take it from there and i i'd feel good about that they had multiple runners on in each of the first at least three innings maybe even into the fourth and they got into that second time through the order nice and quickly it didn't amount to a bunch of runs but it amounted to those extra looks it amounted to a couple of you know literal runs enough runs event the eventual game winning run in that second time through the order and i just feel like even though they left a lot of guys on base offensively and even though they let yeah Yeah. and even though they left let the braves you know kind of hang around for a couple of these things and, and tempted fate that the phillies really capitalized on the opportunities that they needed to not always not always and i i i the this series could have been a lot you know more separated than it ended up being but they capitalized when they needed to and you got to do that against a team that's this good. You have to. They did what they needed to when they needed to. I don't know. Call it. I think. I don't know. I disagree with you because I think you should oh. call it like it is. They thoroughly outplayed them. The Phillies thoroughly, thoroughly outplayed. outplayed the Braves. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't go that far, but I'm interested to hear. Go ahead. Oh. Yeah. Say more on that. I, I just think they had such a a good plan and they executed it. Like to hold yeah. the Braves to what they held them to. That wasn't by accident. And like, yes, there's a small sample size luck, right? Yeah, of course. Like, you know, did the Braves have too long of a layoff and that throw off their hitters? Maybe, maybe that factored into it. Like, you know, did they just catch them at a time where they had a bad four days? Yeah, that that's part of it too. But like, I, I don't think we should diminish like the plan the Phillies had and how they executed it. And like, they were built for this. Like they were built for this series and, Paul, 25% of the pitches the Braves saw in the series were 96 miles an hour or harder. Wow. And they went, and at bats that finished on 96 mile an hour heaters or harder, they were four for 34, 12 strikeouts, and all four of those hits were singles. And wow. the Phillies had a plan to attack them with yeah. velocity, uh, especially from the bullpen, obviously. 
and and it worked. Like, how about yeah. like 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 think about all these like Sir Anthony Dominguez who entered this series as probably what sixth on the bullpen depth chart, fifth, sixth, not that hot. Yeah, yeah, somewhere in the then smack in the middle. Asked three different times in this series to face the presumptive National League MVP Ronald Acuna Jr., an incredible player, a great hitter. Three times in four games, Dominguez got him out. Yeah, and. Dominguez is pumping 99 and you're like, whoa, like, hold on a second. This is like your fifth or sixth best guy out of the bullpen. And yeah. And and that is just like, to me, it just was like a. It was a celebration almost of like the, the, the thing that they've built, like this thing that they built mm. their 16 best players or whatever against the Braves 16 best players, because that's what a you know five game series essentially whittles it down to. And the Phillies' 16 best players were uh, were better by a lot, I think. Okay, well, you know what? I can get behind that. I really can. You know, how how many times did we say during the course of this year that you need tons of depth to get through a regular season? We even said this last year, too. You need all this depth to get through the regular season, to survive 162 games and have a shot at this tournament. But then you need the top end talent to carry you in these short bursts. What's different now about this Phillies team is, yes, the Braves team that they saw this year was was probably a better one than the one they saw in 2022. But the Phillies were better in that their top heaviness now didn't stop at like just to pick a number out of here, like five or six best players. That depth you're talking about, it extends to the bullpen. It extends to the, the performances that the starting rotation put out there. Yeah. It's the lineup, you know, even if a couple of uh, spots in the lineup had, had tough times offensively, you know, you look at somebody like Johan Rojas, who who did not have a great time. Yeah, there at the were plate. numerous guys who had, I mean, Bryson Stott, Kyle Schwarber had a terrible series. Go Bryson Kyle Schwarber, Stott, yeah, yeah. Alec Bohm was awful. Well, uh, Strider ate him alive. Yeah, yeah that yeah, was that was not, not great. a good matchup. But yeah, um, I mean, yeah, they, they didn't. Yeah, there were four spots in the lineup that were almost zeros for them. Yeah. And and they they pulled it through, you know, they they didn't let. They didn't let that carry over to the rest of their game. I guess you hear that sometimes too. Like you, you're not taking your offensive struggles into the field. You know, <laughs> Rojas made everybody's hearts jump a little bit with his stutter step before that catch on the Acuna fly ball. But yeah, that was kind of weird. He yeah. made it work. Yeah, I don't it know. wasn't I, like I'm not saying it wasn't a hard catch because it was it was a really nice play. He had to run a while, but like yeah. watching the replay, I was like, oh, like that was like a good catch, but it wasn't like a a great catch, right? Like because it was like. It, I don't know. It was a great catch, but I don't want to diminish it. But it wasn't like a. Yeah, it was, it was weird. a catch your breath moment. It really yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, it really was. Yeah. Um, no. And, you know, one thing one thing I, I, I want to talk through a, a little bit here. Is this whole notion that people are trying to drum up and this goes back to, you know, Philly teams beating other teams makes those people go nuts. I don't know why we're talking about this so much. But people are talking now about how this layoff between the end of the regular season and the division series was somehow unfair to the Braves. And I, I, need, I need to work this through. I, I need to. Because I understand that there's this penchant to make excuses when your team loses. It's a little bit instinctual. You kind of want to protect your guys, right? You want to protect this image. That, you, know, you want to protect the... the, the the loyalty or whatever, whatever word you want to put on it, your team lost. You don't feel great. I've certainly been on the side of, you know, 
playoff series losses that didn't feel like my team got to show its stuff. The fact of the matter is, that is your reward. You get to skip a round. You get to skip potentially the most harrowing round of this whole new playoff format by being one of the top two seeds in your league. And part of that reward is you get to rest for a couple of days after the season is over. It is incumbent upon the team, the coaches, to stay ready because the gift you are given of this rest, of being able to align your rotation the way you want to, of being able to, you know, strategize, come up with different plans depending on who you face. Like you you get that extra time to prepare for whatever that's worth to you. You need to make that work. It is not a hindrance to be able to put Spencer Strider against Ranger Suarez twice in a series. I love Ranger. He is clearly one of the best playoff performers in this franchise. He's stone cold out there. He is not one of the Phillies' two best starting pitchers. And the Braves got the favorable pitching matchup in two out of these four games that way. Right? I I, I think that's yeah, fair yeah. to say. Yeah, no. I mean, yeah, the Phillies lost the game. The only game they lost was the game started by Wheeler. Right. And that is one of the benefits you get as being a, being a top seed. You get extra rest to heal up the bumps and bruises, to get your heads on straight, and to get ready for what's coming. It is not the reason the Braves lost this series. <laughs> okay? And it's not a reason that any higher-seeded team would, would falter. I cannot well, buy yeah. into this. Look no, at what no. the Astros I mean, it's as, it's as simple as this, Paul. It's like... <sighs> If if this is something me. you're caught up on, like here here's the choice. You say, okay, fine. We 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 give you number one seed or number two seed the choice. Would you like to play a best of three series, uh, seed, or would you like to have the layoff and 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 get home field in the next round? You know, the end. One hundred percent of the teams will take the bye. Yes, yes. I hate I hate it. I hate the fact that. So many people can talk themselves into the circumstances being the reason that this team lost rather than the way the victorious team actually played. And talking about changing this format after, you know, we're one and a half seasons into it. This is this is what we should want, isn't it? Why do we always have to root for the favorites? Why is it only validating a system if the very best entrants are the ones who always win? Is that fun? Is that really what we want to get out of it? Because it feels like that's what the argument is. It feels like because the Braves won 104 games, I don't know if entitled is the right word, but it almost feels like people think they deserve to have an easier path than they're already getting. And I just can't buy into that. I really can't. No, no. And I also I think it's diminishing, though. Like, uh, the Phillies were, were uh, you know, a pretty good team this year. <laughs> like they, they won, won 90, 90 games. games. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, come on. You know, I, I, yeah, I, I do think some of the win totals were were padded this year. I mean, there were a lot of bad teams, and the Dodgers That's and the Braves too. and the Orioles, uh, you know, played played a lot of those bad teams, and they beat up on them, and they should be rewarded. You know, they had great regular seasons; they were entertaining and captivating. They uh, kept their fans' attention. Like I just, 
And I, I liked what Jason wrote today at the athletic. It's like, you know, instead of thinking about, you know, why, you know, focusing on why are these 100 win teams, these, these, these really successful regular season teams, why aren't they winning? You know, why is it the format? What's wrong? It's like, why don't we just focus on why some of these other teams keep winning in October? Why are they built? You know, what is it about them that makes them successful in October? And I, I do think a lot of what the Phillies thought about in the off season, Paul comes back to the way that they lost the world series last year. And what do you remember about how the Phillies lost the World Series last year? Think about it real quick. I mean, we didn't plan this out. What is the first thing you think of? Is like, why did the Phillies lose that series last year to the Astros? Oh, goodness. Well, as much as I've tried to... one thing that sticks out to me. Yeah, I mean, as much as I've tried to repress some of this, it's like... I don't I like what, what can you put on it? I, I feel like they I, just I, when they got was, down, they couldn't they couldn't claw it back. Against correct. The because because again, bullpen. Exactly. What were, they were facing arm after arm after arm of just high quality, borderline unhittable stuff. And the and Astros had like five or six dudes that they could trust in any spot with high velocity. And they just totally neutralized the Phillies. Yeah, it's like game guess, one guess was what? their their rabbit yeah. in the hat yes. and then the rest they guess couldn't what? do it. Yeah. Guess what? The Phillies thought about that all offseason. And what well, what do we what did they build and what do we see now? What did they hmm. just do to the Braves? Yeah, hmm. that's a great. Although point. Game Four, and we can talk about this now, maybe it's a good entryway. It's like, man, the pitching decisions in Game Four oh, were god. absolutely freaking bizarre. Oh my god! Yeah. Okay. All right. So j- just to recap, in case you were living under a rock, right? Ranger Suarez went. We'll just talk about the Philly side for a second here. Ranger Suarez went went deeper than he did in his first appearance, and that he was the plan. Five. Yep. Yeah. And and he was good. He was really good. Again. Didn't have big strikeout stuff. Didn't need to. Contact was really weak. Like even even Riley's home run, like we said, it was barely over the left field wall, like the shortest part of the and, park. Basically. And it was on a changeup that was down. I don't even think it was a yeah. strike. It wasn't a bad pitch. No, yeah. it wasn't a bad pitch. And so then he gets through five and he finishes off five. And you're thinking, oh, OK, great. So uh, the game is tied at one at that point. Turner comes up in the bottom of the fifth and hits his home run. And all of a sudden the Phillies are leading and you're like, OK. Now we go into protect mode. We knew that was coming. We kind of figured with the top of the Braves order coming that a change was going to happen anyway. Sure. So Anthony Dominguez comes in, gets Acuna, gets Albies. Uh, Riley again hits another ball pretty hard for a single. Uh, and then the, the Alvarado lever gets pulled in the you sixth You got to shoot your shot, right? It's Matt yes. Olsen, tying, Matt Olsen. You know, tying run on base. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Huge at bat. And Olsen got, you know, he got a little bit of it, but really not too much of a not too much of a threat didn't reach the warning track castellanos hits his second home run of the game in the bottom of the six and get a little bit of padding and you're like oh wow okay great two run lead tiniest bit of breathing room now what happens well alvarado comes back for a wraparound which makes sense yes i think the right play if you use them you got to yes. use them for more than one batter yeah. yeah i don't think that was the time to come back and say even though there it was just looking at the box right now it was a zuna murphy pilar do up and you if you if you said, ah, I would have thought about Hoffman here, okay, I get it. But mm, Alvarado, even though he's a lefty against those righties right there, it's just... He's one of your best guys, if not your best guy. Yeah, so he gets Ozuna on a first pitch. Murphy grounds out. But then things go a little sideways, right? And this is what you don't want to see. Walks to Kevin Pillar and everybody's favorite Orlando Arcia. <laughs> Which puts two runners on, the tying run included, for... At this point, 
who you assume would be Michael Harris because it would be well, the ninth spot. I mean, they they knew Darno comes, you know, is pinch hitting, so they see that yes. before they make the move, and they they know that Darno they wait for the announcement. Right. Somebody's pinch hitting there, yeah. And Ki- so Craig Kimbrell <laughs> into the seventh inning. He inherited one runner the entire season, and he inherited two last night. And that was uh, he hadn't pitched in the seventh inning maybe what since his time with the White Sox, I guess. No, he actually did a couple that? times this year. Oh, yeah, did he? Like oh, maybe okay. three times this year. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right, Early so he did that. Year. Yeah. He walks Darno on a full count, <laughs> <laughs> and so the bases are loaded for. <laughs> Ronald Acuna and I'm I'm standing in my family room I'm I'm just I'm I'm at home it's quiet except for the TV I was listening I did not have the broadcast muted this time I was listening and I was just my pulse was going a million miles an hour because I'm like well this is this almost feels like the series not just the game you know it's a channel AI for a second not the game not the game the series it might because you know, yeah, because the, the NL MVP is coming up with the bases jacked. The tying run is on second base. This is a guy who in Philadelphia in the playoffs has done very little. He's done very little. He did that little he did that little mild taunt during last year's series where he cupped his ear after catching a fly ball. And <laughs> since then, he's he's done almost nothing. I think he's three for 17 in Philadelphia. They really did the a great job on, on him in this series. They yeah. really did. This ball was a little bit scary, and it eventually ends in the, the Rojas catch. And at that point, you're like, oh, man, that's great. But how are they going to get the next six outs? <laughs> right? So this, is, this is to me where, so I, I did try, to, I didn't write a lot about the pitching decisions. Honestly, just I just didn't think it was... Um, it is compelling, but I just didn't... I thought there were better things to focus on. And so... I did try to piece together after the game, like what what in the hell was going on here? And this is my best read on why they did what they did. So they took their shot with Kimbrel there. Uh, and so he's naturally going to come back around. They, they liked him at the top. They liked him on those righties at the top, believe yeah. it or not. And I get why I get sure. That. And, sure. Um, he actually had some, you know, against Albies and Riley, I thought he had some, 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 um, made some pretty decent pitches. He was landing some curveballs for yep. strikes, which is like the, the greatest sign that, you know, he has a shot <laughs> and um, yeah, great job. Gets, against Riley. He gets great Albies job. and Riley on 10 pitches. And at this point, his pitch counts, you know, it's up there. He's at 23 now. Mm-hmm. And this is where they truly face their, you know, real decision. It's like, Oh, okay. Like he, you know, he's got Albies and Riley. It's a two run game. It is. Olsen is not the tying run. Right. I, I think, they could have let Kimbrel face Olsen mm. to see if they could get him through that eighth inning. And then it just lines up better where you've got, you probably start the ninth with Jeff Hoffman. Then if it's a clean inning and yeah, it's a three to one game, yeah. that's what I think was one of the plans. But then I think they just got a little worried and, and, and it's a two run game and they're like, look, Soto is, um, so it was our, you know, is really good against lefties. Here's Matt Olson, their best lefty. Like, let's just, let's just go with this. Let's do it. Gets him on four pitches ground out. Um, you know, the scary play with Bryce. The funny bone, play, funny yeah. bone. Um, Bryce, always the showman. Um, I'm not to say that it didn't hurt. But, no, no, uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> but Bryce. I, I, yeah. Uh, I was, I was, <laughs> oh boy. So now they face another decision, but they brought Soto into the game now. So it's like, I think this was part of the discussion was that 
Soto has closed games before. Like he's been a closer. Like he was a closer for the Tigers last right. years. Um, I, I do think that that might have played a role here because the matchups weren't great, right? Matchups are not great. You have Soto who is uh, hasn't been good against righties this year, and he's going to face a bunch of righties, um, especially, you know, I, yeah, it's just, I, I think they went with like the experience factor there. They're like, Greg Soto can get the last three outs this game. He's done it. It's the ninth inning. Let's just do this. I think they're a little skittish about Hoffman there. And I do think some of what played into this is not just the experience, but also that some of these guys have gotten decent looks at Hoffman. Right. And, and, and that's part of within a series. It's like, it's one thing to really like some pockets for your relievers and really like your relievers. But the more and more a hitter sees a reliever, you know, relievers are typically two pitch guys yeah, and they're easier to, to, to sort of figure out after seeing them maybe two or three times. It just, it's just, it's a easier at bat for the batter, no matter mm-hmm. how good the pitcher is. And I do think there was some hesitant. Yeah. You know, they were a little hesitant there. I think just about Hoffman in that spot. I, I, I kind of get it. I probably still would have had him start the ninth. Um, so then they go to Strom <laughs> first and third, <laughs> nobody out. Oh, but like you said, yeah, because the oh, because Kimbrel got the job done somehow, you know the Braves shot their shot in that seventh thing. I mean, they 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 yes. they took out their center fielder, they took out their shortstop, uh, you know they 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 used three different bench players in that inning. So now, you know they know the Phillies know that Rosario is going to have to come up. Like like Forrest Wall is not going to take his at bat, no matter who is on the mound, and even if it's a lefty, and it was Strom. Rosario is going to pinch it there. And that's a good matchup for the Phillies. That's a good yes. matchup for the Phillies. The strong Pilar matchup was not. No, uh, <laughs> no, no. You don't want Pilar to see a lefty, um, but they, they gave him a lefty. Uh, but that was because they'd rather have Pilar on the lefty than have Rosario on a righty. And I, I'll buy that. I'll buy that. Um, strong, strong did a really good job. Uh, strong, Strom got it done. It was against Kevin Pilar, Eddie Rosario, and Vaughn Grissom, but he got it done. And uh, that's how they got to where they got. I don't think I would have done it the way they did it. Uh, I am <laughs> stunned the way they did it. Uh, I I, I don't know. <laughs> the Craig Kimbrell decision. I, honestly, my funniest, the funniest part of the game, I don't know if anyone saw us on the broadcast. I don't know if they showed it on the broadcast. Thompson comes out to get Kimbrell in the eighth inning. And this whole outing for Kimbrell has been totally unusual. He came into the middle of a game in a seventh inning with guys on base. And yeah. then, he, you know, he gets through it. And now he's got two outs in the eighth. And I, I really thought they were going to let him try to get Olsen because, again, he wasn't the tying run. If he gives up a dinger to Olsen there, it's like, ah, you know, oh, shit. You know, well, it's one run late. Okay. It's a little sweatier, but the game's not over. It hasn't, you know, hasn't. You're still winning. Um, and so Thompson comes to get the ball from Kimbrell, who. You know, it doesn't pout or anything, nothing. He gives him the ball. And, and you know, the manager usually, you know, tap, you know, taps his pitcher on the shoulder or whatever, whatever. Kimbrell gives him the ball and, and he's not upset. He just and he just like he just like slaps Thompson on the ass. And I don't think I've ever seen a pitcher do that to a manager. And I was like, I, I don't know if anyone else saw it. I was like, I was dying laughing in the press box. I was like, what is happening right now? Like, uh, I didn't get I didn't I couldn't find Kimbrell after the game. I didn't get a chance to ask him about it. I I will definitely ask him about it uh sometime this weekend uh when I'm at the ballpark for for, for workouts or whatever and um I don't know why that made me laugh. I thought it was hilarious. 
No, I don't they, think I've they, seen a pitcher do that. They, I think they touched on it a little bit at the broadcast. Again, oh, I, I was okay. I was halfway between consciousness and blacking out at that point. So forgive me if my memory is a little bit hazy. But I, I think they, I think they did something on it coming back from a break just very quickly. Or I, I don't know. <laughs> Nothing gives me more, like, I guess anxiety is the word, than wrap around relief appearances with the guys that the Phillies have had. In this these is why you hated Joe years. Girardi. Yeah, you know, like these guys who just do up and downs, and the Phillies did three of them in the last three innings. Yeah, in reverse order, with you know, we were talking about how the Braves hadn't handled velocity, right? Well, Matt Strom is arguably their softest tossing remaining reliever. He sits like ninety three, ninety four. Yeah. It's nice that that's your softest throwing reliever these days, but he's the guy who comes in. You know, you mentioned Kevin Pillar. This he. Kevin Pillar hit a ball that reminded me of Evan Longoria from the 08 World Series, a ball that looked like it had a great shot at going out, not this one in the ninth inning, but earlier, where it just kind of died out there. And it, it maybe there was topspin or something, but a ball that looked like it had a really good shot at leaving the park just sort of hangs up. I, I don't know. I, I was getting visions. But he he hits a weaker pop here. And on the second pitch, it's like a, a quick first out. First and third. You know, nobody out again. It it was an incredibly yeah. tense situation. He gets yeah. that quick out. And then Rosario comes up another first pitch out quick, quick. Yeah, he just he just settled things down. Yeah, he did. And what does that go back to the momentum? Yeah, that word also, I always use. Yeah, the rally was cut short. It was the bottom of the order and they got really lucky. <laughs> hey, man. Hey, man. Circ- yeah, circumstances like you need that, right? How else did they get lucky when Pilar didn't score on the ball that got past JT? You know, forget about Olsen yeah, potentially facing Kimbrel. What yeah. happened with that? The thought was, and and I, I think the broadcast Watching had this Watching it live, right. I was like, that's a run. Right. I, I think the I broadcast had it right. I didn't get to see a replay. Okay, yeah, go ahead. The, the angle, the perspective, because the ball went to JT's right and was basically on a line with the third baseline if you were to draw it straight through home plate, that he was probably obstructed by JT going back to get the ball and wasn't sure how close it was. And you wouldn't want to be the guy who gets thrown out there with two out while Ronald Acuna is batting with the bases loaded. I think that was a, a, a good a good view on the situation from the broadcast. He absolutely would have scored if he ran it through. Hmm. The ball got far enough away from JT that yeah, he I, would I have scored. Yeah, I it was a surefire run. Yeah, yes. Just watching it live. Just yes. having seen wild pitches in the ballpark and how they bounce. I'm like, that's a run. Yes. And and everything that cascaded from it, I think everybody was caught by surprise. I think JT, when he got the ball, was caught by surprise that there was nobody coming home. I think he was caught by surprise that the other runners were as far off first and second as they were because they thought Pilar was coming home. That JT got caught and didn't you know throw to first base. To potentially getting out there. Also, I'm fine with eating the ball there too. You don't want to throw that away. Um, just everything that went into these last few innings was just crazy <laughs> from a, a decision perspective, yeah. from an execution perspective, an events perspective. All and, of and it. look, I yeah, and I really, I mean, I, you know, people might quibble with this. I thought Rob Thompson had a great series, e- even with like the questionable decisions here. There was intent, right? The intent was, yeah. In the in the sixth inning, uh, you know, or as, in the sixth inning, we need Al- Alvaro as our guy. This is you know Olson is the tying run, uh, or you know I'm sorry, the tying runs on base. Olson's the go ahead run. Alvaro's yeah. our guy. We need him here. He's our guy. Yeah. And they liked Kimbrel at the top of the lineup, and that was going to be a spot. And 
instead of doing it in the ninth, they did it in the seventh, and that ends up it ends up working. They did it in reverse, though, and that's what you're asking for. You're asking for them to to not treat it, you know, inning by inning. You're asking to treat the situation for what it is, right? It's like, yes. Okay, 100%. it's 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 it, it, it's the seventh inning, but this is this is it. This might be the biggest threat, and it turns out it was. This was the biggest threat they had, and uh, they got through it. And I think what he did in game one was. Um, it wasn't just the execution of it. It was the, you know, or how, how it went and everything and the thought behind it was the communication of it. As I wrote about, you know, how, how they really made sure that everybody was on the same page and it was brilliant. Uh, it was a really good job. The Wheeler thing. I, I, we talked about this, you know, you can go back and listen to our, you know, previous pod, but I, 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 I cannot fault him for what he did there. Um, I think he pressed a lot of the right buttons and it helps that his players are really, really good. Um, but I, I thought he had a good series did and i thought brian snicker had a horrible series solely because of what he did in game three like i can't believe that bryce elder faced bryce harper <laughs> look i we we, we, we talked we, about we haven't like, talked about game three very much no like there's just i, so, I could not believe it even if it's brad hand i don't care like i don't care like that that might be that was that might have been it might have been and it was the game yeah no it, it was it was the game we haven't even talked about how you know, Harper did what he did in game three, like the, <laughs> the, the comments, the stare, the double stare, really the, just the fact that this guy continues to exist solely to be there in the biggest moments and not just be there, but come through time and time. How many, it almost feels like a literal nine times out of 10. When this guy comes up in a huge moment, he's going to do something. He it's is amazing. going to make it happen. He is something created from the ether of, of myth of, of baseball legend, where you have these grand exaggerated tales where there's no footage. There's only written account of these heroic acts of guys who just arrive when the moment calls for, for a hero of some, of some kind. And he just does it. He just does it. Amazing. It, it I, is amazing. It's amazing. I I I want him to get a ring so so badly and I I think we all do. Even on the way there with this run still in progress. I have a really hard time thinking that I won't view Bryce Harper as one of the very most important players in this franchise, obviously, but like in baseball, because like I want him to yeah. win to validate more of that on a national scale. I don't think people will really buy into it unless you get a championship because there's such a huge swath of people for whom winning is, is literally everything. It's a lot for me too. It's not literally everything. I try and take in the things along the way too. So I want him to get that for everybody else's sake. It's their problem if he, if he doesn't and, you know, how to, how to grapple with this. But I think he is just becoming one of the most important players baseball has going today because he is drama and not in a prima donna sense, not in the way that you thought maybe as a, you know, as a 16 year old with, with. Uh, you know, all this road ahead of him and like, oh, he's precocious and like, oh, he knows he's good and everything and coming up with this, this makeup concerns or whatever. Like he's had this spotlight on him for more than half his life, basically half his life. And he just comes up and what does he do? He makes the moments happen for this sport, not just for this team, not just for him, but for this sport. 
I don't know. Yeah, he's, no, I, he's I, unbelievable. I, to me, like the Arceus stuff, right? Okay, let's talk about it real quick. Mm. This is my take yeah. on it. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, no, I it's agree. Fun. It's so it's so mild. It's, it's fun, so and mild. that's what it is. Exactly. Yes, it wasn't like a, <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, everyone's thin skinned, or everyone has violated the sanctuary of the clubhouse. First of all, no, because I, I did listen to the audio, and it was, uh, he wanted it to be heard. He wanted it to be heard. The way he was shouting it in the background, and there were more than twenty reporters in the clubhouse. Um, this was not in, this was not an ambiguous situation. Okay, first of all, second of all, it is harmless. It was like it's harmless. Like I don't know, but I, I've actually I, I I've talked to a couple of people about this. I mean, not a couple. A lot of people have asked me about this, and I'm like, think about you know how many people watched the Last Dance? Did you watch the Last Dance during the, you know the Jordan documentary during COVID, and everyone yes. watched it? That was basically just like eight episodes of Michael Jordan feeling aggrieved on big and small levels, right? <laughs> and like, <laughs> this is the greatest player ever. And yes, he like just he just finds these little things to take motivation from, even if he doesn't need it, because he is the greatest player ever. But he just uses it as more fuel. And honestly, I don't even think Bryce Harper used it as fuel. I think it was it almost just helped the Phillies as a team like get over what was a really bad game two loss, a terrible loss. It was bad it was not good how it went down but then almost it was like it was like this like i don't know this this just whiff of levity that they end up getting because they're like oh like this guy like you know what is he saying about bryce and it's not it's not it's not like they were like offended it's not as if they right you know that this guy because of what he said this is why the braves lost the series no come on no no it's fun though it was really fun it's a lot of fun the stare like the chance the back and forth like it is supposed to be fun. And that, and that is how Bryce Harper looks at it. Right. Like, and he even said this, I mean, it is supposed to be fun. And like, you take those little things, you try to make it something and like, whether it had an effect or not, I don't know, but it is fun. It is really fun. I, I saw somebody compare it to like a WWE match yeah. or, event or something. I'm like, yeah, like I can buy that. It should, it should be fun. But the, the problem is like when, like fan emotion runs over in some of these things, everything gets taken. And of course going, you know, Braves fans, again, taking things so seriously that you have all these other ripple effects that just make things annoying at best for other people. It should have been fun. It should have been. And I hope, I hope it was something that was fun to a lot of people on the outside. It was incredibly stressful for all of us watching the series, of course, but like in, in the moment, I hope watching that and, knowing the context and knowing that backstory and, and, and the right, it, it did feel like WWE writing, like, Oh, he's getting taunted. And again, it was, it was so gentle. It was just, it was just yeah. out of boy. It was just out of boy. He wasn't calling him names. He didn't slur. He didn't curse. He didn't insult his family. He didn't do anything. Okay. So he wanted to be heard and he was ragging a little bit and, you know, big words from a guy who didn't really show up in this series. You know, he, he played decent defense and that's about all you can say for him. Um, you know, he was on the bench at the end of the series, you know, their, their season on the line and he's not part of it. Fine. That's that. He has to live with that. And he has to live with the video of him flying off the rails in the dugout. Like I didn't see that. His, Somebody, he's yeah. sticking his tongue out at fans, oh, like making okay. a hand gesture and just being a dweeb, like whatever. That's his problem. He has to live with that. He, he's at home now. What he, what he did after game two. Yes. That's, you know, that's ribbing. That's what you should do. The Braves just came back. They feel like they're about to seize. Yeah, you know this series by the short ones and just run with it and he had that adrenaline pumping and he gives a little you know he gives a little thing right 
And then it was just, it was blown into something completely crazy. You know, and we have all these other things spinning off from it. We have people who insult the credibility of one of the people who reported it just because he, he named who said it. Like, this is a guy who's put in the work. All right. You know, well, the worst part is this ends up turning into like a, a, a debate about journalistic ethics, which is like the, yeah. the, what everyone loves to debate. It's like, yeah, right. Yeah, nah. it, I mean, it's, it's just it's it's look, man, I, yeah, I, I haven't know. been. I, it was fun. I thought it was fun. It is. It is. No, I, I, I haven't. Been. And I also think there was nothing. I don't think there were any. Yeah, there was no there was no. There was nothing violated. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I haven't, I haven't been in a in a clubhouse like a debate, you know. Yeah, I haven't been in a clubhouse as a credentialed member in in years it's been a minute but i know that there are you know a couple things i still keep in mind you only really talk to players if they're at their locker and look like they're you know wanting to talk to you they don't want to like have their headphones in they're not sitting at a table playing cards with other guys they're not you know studying film or anything if they're at their locker and they're playing okay you can go talk to them and unless you have like an agreement with whoever you're talking to whether it's sports or otherwise that something is off the record and the clubhouse isn't open. It's in the collective bargaining agreement that the clubhouses need to be open for media members to be present. If you wanted, if you want to do that and don't want people to pick up on it, wait until the damn clubhouse closes. Yeah, and that's all you great. Do. There's gray areas here, of course. Like, you know, if and this is why the context is important. Is like if I thought, you know, if if I thought that this was a conversation between one player and another player, and that the reporter was eavesdropping like then yeah. that, that i don't i think that's out of bounds like that's not fair game but that is not what this was i mean that's not what this was and and so yes there are you know there are rules and there's sort of a code and there's you know it's it's kind of a feeling out thing and you you just you know you have to know what you know but it's generally just common sense uh and in this sure. instance again um i don't think there were any uh there were no uh no boundaries crossed. I really yeah. don't. But so, yeah. nevertheless, made for a great storyline, and it, it made for awesome fun. It made for an amazing photo. That yes, photo is going to live forever, especially now that they won the series. Oh god, um, yeah. that photo is going to live forever. That photo is. And it was taken by Derek Hamilton. Uh, he's a freelance photographer, and he's working for the Phillies this postseason. I wrote a little bit about him uh, in my story from Game Three at the Athletic, and um, that photo is so good. It is so good, and for so many reasons, but. It's so good. Yeah, it's beautiful. It it was instantly one of my favorite pictures probably ever. And Derek, man, kudos to you. Right spot, right time. I remember, you know, Matt, when you wrote about him, you talked about how he didn't follow Harper on the first home he run. Missed the first one. Yeah. yeah. And and he thought, you know, oh, that was a mistake. But he got another opportunity. And man, <laughs> did he not miss it. Oh, baby. You got Brad Hand. Brad Hand uh, finally uh, <laughs> gave the Phillies a solid. Finally. <laughs> Brad and we've come full circle. All right. Well, I think one, we... I, if we want to finish with this, I want to, I want yeah. to like, give me like, uh, you know, one or two takeaways from this series that you think are applicable moving forward, not matchup specific with the opponent, which is the Diamondbacks. The series starts uh, Monday uh, at Citizens Bank Park. Phillies have home field advantage. But t- give me like one or two takeaways or one or two developments that you feel like maybe player specific that you're like, this is something that, um, you know, maybe something to watch or like something that you think is, is, um, uh, trending in a certain way moving forward as we continue um, into the postseason. If if whatever planet Nick Castellanos is on, he continues <laughs> to inhabit it for the rest of the playoffs. The Phillies are winning this thing because <laughs> I look, I I I cannot tell you how unreal it was to watch that guy hit and the home runs he delivered and the spots that he delivered them. It, 
Look, Harper had a huge series. Turner, offensively, had a huge series. Huge series. You know, ma- just massive. Brandon Marsh had a really nice series, by the way. Yeah. Nice job calling that prediction. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, if Nick has if Nick Castellanos is only gonna strike out once in 20 uh, trips to the plate, I he, probably not, but you know what? Hey, he, he's done it once. Um, then everybody else is in trouble because this offense right now is clicking. Uh, a couple of small exceptions aside, I would like to see Kyle Schwarber bounce back. But for what is going right, if Cassianos in the in the middle or toward the bottom of this lineup keeps hitting like he is and stays locked in, I forget it. Like that's all I need. If you're if you're six hitters deep against you know the Diamondbacks pitching where the Phillies current they hold an advantage. I'm gonna try not to think about it too much because it's almost too much of an advantage, but they hold an advantage. Um, then yeah, they're defending their pennant. But he's got to stay there. How about you? What are you What are you looking at? I think Sir Anthony was a big development, and he wasn't perfect. Like he gave up four hits, all four of them singles, I think, uh, and two and two thirds, but no walks and four strikeouts, and a lot more swing and miss, and a lot more velocity, and more of the guy that like you remember from last year. Um, that might have been. I mean, outside of Castellanos, like that might have been the biggest development of the first round. Like mm. I, I feel like you go into the NLCS thinking Sir Anthony is one of our dudes again. He's back. Like he's one of our dudes. Um, Ranger, Ranger. Uh, let's not forget. Like Ranger wasn't. You know, there were moments during this season in which you're like, ah, like you know, a lot of walks, a lot of hits, like mm-hmm. long innings. You're like, ah, like I don't know. Um, he was awesome in this series. <laughs> like, yes, awesome. he was. Yes, he was. And that is just huge moving forward because you get to seven game series now. And that third starter, like, I mean, he had a huge role in the LDS because he had to start game one. He ends up starting two games in the series, but uh, he has a big role in game in, in a seven game series, because now, you know, you take your number three Ranger and you match it up against the opponent's number three and you, uh, you have the edge, you have an edge for yes. sure. Yes. Um, so those are probably my two biggest ones. I don't know. Um, Outside of Castellanos, which was probably the most obvious one, but um, Rojas is, is pretty overmatched. Like, I, I, and it, it just just should remind you, like, of Stott last year in the postseason, right? Like at oh, this point, yeah. he's there to just catch the ball for you. Hope that you know he's not. You know, you can get one or two decent at bats out of him. And we saw one really good Rojas at bat in the wild card series against the Marlins, but in this series against the Braves, he's 0 for 15, six strikeouts, yeah. Yeah. Uh, a lot of uncompetitive at bats. Um, and you know what? He made a really big catch. So yes, he did. Uh, I, I think that's, um, you're just going to have to live with it. Stop was, you know, you go back and look at Stop's numbers from last playoffs. He was, he was bad. He was, you know, he had some good at bats and they were long at bats, but the results were not there. Um, and you just, you lived with it. Yep. Yep. And, and I, I will absolutely live with it. And what did we say? What did we say at the outset of the playoffs that you figure Johan is the starting center fielder in any offense is a bonus. And what has yeah. happened in the first six games, by the way, Sir Anthony Dominguez, 52 batters faced in his playoff career, 22 strikeouts, one walk. Wow. Big boy. Big boy stuff. All right. So that's that's it for this NLDS. That's it. That's it. It's done. It's over. Phil's in four. The snakes. The snakes. Go D-backs. That's not I'm not I'm not rooting for the I'm not rooting for the Diamondbacks. If you were online in 20 someone's gonna have to do an oral history of the time that we uh the phillies hijacked the scoreboard writers hijacked the scoreboard and almost (laughs) got a dimebacks a poor dimebacks employee fired oh uh, no (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, uh, we, we, we'll revisit that later. Um, we will be back with you before the NLCS kicks off, which kicks off on Monday, 8 o'clock Eastern, in Philadelphia, home field advantage, which cannot be overstated. It is real. It crazy, is strong. Man. It is crazy. our friend. We always have home field advantage <laughs> And yes. crazy that, uh, you know, if the two favorites right now, the betting favorites, win the LCSs, the Phillies would have home field advantage in the World Series. Against Texas? No, against Houston. Oh, against Houston. Yeah. Houston's favorite in that series, right? The LCS? Yeah, they must be. Yeah. So, yes, the Phillies will have home. If they go to the World Series, if they win a pennant, they will have home field against the Astros, but they would not have it against Texas, the Rangers. Got it. Right. Yeah. Rangers would host a World Series. Yep. Cool. Okay. Well, you know what? First things first. Got to get there. And that series starts on Monday. We will be back early in the week to take a look ahead. We've we've done our looking back on a just unbelievable series that we're all going to be talking about for a long time, I think. Um, <laughs> thankfully, went in the Phillies way. Oh, boy. And we'll have all the gray hairs to show for it. That's for sure. I hope you all enjoyed it. I know I did. I woke up feeling great today. Tension, headache and all. And I cannot wait to to do it all again, starting on Monday when the Phillies kick off the National League Championship Series for the second straight year. The Travis Welcome Lee to, Series. The, tra- oh, the Travis Lee Series. What? what welcome, uh, welcoming the Arizona Diamondbacks to town. All right, fine. Whatever. You want to be. We can decide by Monday. You can decide who you want. Okay. Ca- yeah. The, ca- the cast. No. Um, oh, no. Uh, yeah. I got to think about this. We are going to have to think about this. Travis Lee might be the guy. Anyway, National League Championship Series kicks off on Monday. Phillies beat the Braves in four games. Yeah, woo! They did it. And I think we're going to call that episode here. Thank you, as always, for listening to us rant and ramble and just try and have as much fun as we possibly can in the midst of all this craziness. The Phillies are back in the NLCS, and they're still marching forward. We will join you again early next week. For Matt, go read his stuff on The Athletic. I'm Paul Boyer. See you in a few days.